Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. Jesus was close to Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. When Martha called out to the Lord because her brother was dying, he stayed away. He sat still for her heartbreak. He didn't step in. He didn't intervene. Not during trial and turmoil, sickness and sadness. Not even at the last hour. The sisters were forced to say goodbye to their brother, plan a funeral, and commune with mourners all without the support of their dear friend. In the midst of their grief, they had to face what must have been a mysterious silence from Jesus. When Martha heard Jesus was finally coming, she set out to meet him. I wonder what must have been going through her mind as she made her disenchanted way towards the Lord. I imagine she saw his frame from a long way off. I suppose she recognized his gait as he came nearer and then nearer. Like me, would she have rehearsed a silver-tongued scene between the two of them, where she was all at once breezy yet razor-sharp? Would she feign facetious concern about his time away with a casual, So, how's your trip? No sandstorms, I hope. Good time, was it? Healing strangers? Yeah, yeah, I heard. Born blind. Hey, listen, don't worry. The one you loved, he asked for you several times, but we assured him you probably hadn't heard he was so sick. The funeral? It was nice. I'm pretty sure if I were Martha, my glare would have been arctic and my smile would have been tight. My voice would have been measured with just the right amount of lilt so I could postulate compassion instead of calculation in case throwing a passive-aggressive temper tantrum with God all came crashing down. But that's just me. Martha and Mary, famously unalike, were actually quite respectful with Jesus and delivered the same statement, putting it to him plainly, if you would have come, my brother wouldn't have had to die. I read that and my heart breaks as I feel alongside them in this moment. The betrayal they must have experienced, certainly no longer to pretend that Jesus simply didn't get their message, but instead he matter-of-factly chose not to answer it. Polite and courteous, but nuanced. Behind their comment, I hear questions. What's the point now, Jesus? He's already dead. I called for you days ago. We had a funeral without you, and you wouldn't even come. Are we friends or not? Are you a friend to me at all? Their response is familiar to me because death and pain and rejection and frankly far less dramatic situations can all send me into a storm of questioning the Lord. It has potential to go like this. God, if you're there and if you love me, then you'll fix this situation for me. Perhaps much like Martha and Mary, I think I know how the Lord can love me the best. 
So I make a demand or beg for a solution, and then I wait for him to show up when I have suggested. And if he doesn't, well, he obviously didn't hear me, or he's obviously punishing me, or he obviously doesn't care. Upon inspection, I've learned that my demands aren't really about my desires, not really. But my demands are more often about my desire to know that he cares. What I'm after is proof that Jesus will show up if I ask him to. That would mean he's willing to involve himself in my daily life in a way that matters to me. That he loves me in a way that I understand as love. And so I use demands as a strategy to find out who I'm dealing with. Are you a friend to me at all? In my attempt to find out who I'm dealing with, I look for ways to see and touch God's devotion. And there seems to be something about my humanity that insists on measuring his devotion my very own way. In John's gospel, even though God's word reads contradictorily and Jesus' actions seem inconsistent, He loved him, so he stayed two days longer? I simply have to trust that Jesus always reconciles. It's true. Jesus isn't explaining himself gently over lunch. But during his silent moments, can I still wait and trust that if God isn't rushing to heal, then there must be something to gain from the hurt? Can I lean into the uncomplicated parts of his character when I'm confounded and trust that even if he is slow in coming, He is still coming. Because if God is good, could I ever know how good? And if God is powerful, is it possible for me to know how powerful? Because Mary and Martha trusted Jesus, but only minimally when he countered their expectations. And it wasn't just his kindness that they questioned. They were skeptical of his power, too. When Jesus tells Martha her brother will rise again, Martha acknowledges what she believes Jesus is capable of in the heavenly realms on his turf, where he is at home. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, she says. I get that. But Martha couldn't fully acknowledge the extent of Jesus' power in the here and now. She trusted Jesus to do godly things in godly ways, but in the midst of their humanity? No way. In the thick of their four-day stench? She couldn't conceive it. Take me there, he says. Remove the barrier. And then Jesus asked her if she believed, and then he raised Lazarus healed. And this story makes me feel a lot. Some parts make me angry. Other parts make me sad. But when I consider everyone's shock after the resurrection, now that's just fun. Maybe it's what led up to the dramatic scene. Because of course there's Mary and Martha frantically trying to guess the workings of the Lord and feeling abandoned when they don't get it right. And then there's doubting Thomas wanting to die along with Lazarus for what? Solidarity? No one's able to make sense of Jesus' tears if he loved Lazarus so much. And lastly, Martha's insistent that perhaps four days of what death can do to a body is completely beyond the Lord. Thank you very much. In all of their confusion, their wobbly human faith, their doubt, their suspicion, the whole thing, it's chaos. And then there's Jesus. He arrives with calculation and compassion, power and divinity. He allows his heart to break. And then thanks God for answering his prayer before he even prayed it. So controlled. Humanity versus divinity. Such disparate responses in the throes of loss. 
and it's glorious. All of it, we are told that it is so. This is for the glory of God. And I think the lesson is accepting our lives, welcoming them wholly, and in a way consenting to the external events that confront us, knowing that drawing good out of good and bad out of bad is something very easily managed. But drawing good out of evil, it is something only God can do in his love and wisdom. Our only job is to believe that it is so. The raising of Lazarus invites us to this profound degree of trust. Do you believe? That's what Jesus wants to know. From the book of Isaiah, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. This is my friend Kelly. We've been friends for six years. Kelly is a sharp thinker and deep feeler. She shines her light bright as her righteousness goes ahead, always knowing that God has got her back. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly! Hey! I'm so glad you're here. Um, I feel like I've been trying to have you on forever, and um, I'm glad that this finally worked out. Me too. I'm excited. We're kind of in um, funny moods. So Kelly spent the night at our house last night, and... um, Which is not abnormal, because I used to live with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Kelly is... We were in the beginning stages of having a family and figuring out how to have babies peacefully. And you were a sweet college girl that needed a place to live for a semester. And Mm. so our lives intertwined at really crucial times for both of us. And we're just forever linked because of it. And I love it. Absolutely. And it was just such an important time for my life as well. And I don't even know how much I've said this to you guys. But when I met you all, it was just such a hard time in my own growth and development and figuring out my place and Mm. um, figuring out how to be loved. And Mm. just to be invited into your family in just such a real, tangible way was huge for me. Mm. And uh, being able to see your kids grow up and be a part of that love and watch you love them has just been so healing for me, which is kind of a great uh, segue into what we're talking about, right? We're talking about (laughs) healing today. But I just admire so much about you and you hear this attributed to people all the time that you're an old soul Mm. and I've just never meant that more than I have with you um that is just such a good descriptor of you you are totally wise beyond your years and really can speak um to very deep levels of truth I feel like there's kind of surface level truth and there's like these very deep truths Mm. and you just really plunge Mm. with me and with my kids and with our family and in your life and you let people watch like this healing processes that you're you're going through you just invite people on your journey and I'm so thankful Mm. thank you so so much for that thank you for blessing our Mm. family so if you go to um the self-care episode in season two the intro is about Kelly and you're so humble. So you're also very humble. And when I sent that to you, I was you like, remember what I said? Yes. <laughs> I was like, I think you're going to like the intro to the latest episode. And you were like, I listened to it. And my immediate thoughts were, man, they must have another babysitter named Kelly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is about me. It was so kind. So kind of you to just be so affirming when I, I know I haven't always been 
I don't know. I, I feel like I've been a mess. A lot of our friendship and you've just been so kind and affirming Aww. even throughout it and being able to see the good in me, even if I was a mess at the time. So. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> I mean, we are like trying to keep a house, you know, presentable I love levels. that. I love and, that oh about gosh. this family is that I can walk in and there can be Cheerios on the floor and it's like, oh my gosh, it yes. is okay to be a mess sometimes. Yes. It is okay and that's not the most important thing. We can have loving hearts and have messy floors, and it's totally fine. Yes. And that's not a message you get everywhere. So yeah. that's so Because so something's got to give. If you're yeah. going to maintain this happy house where you laugh in it more than you do anything else, mm. something has mm-hmm. got to give. Mm-hmm. And it's yogurt on the walls and Cheerios on the floor for me. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. And I think it represents a vulnerability that you're willing to have. Mm. That you're willing to let people Thank into you. your physical mess. At times, and in mm. spiritual, emotional mess at times, mm. which is really, really rare and really beautiful. Thanks a lot. So you're going to let us into your personal growth um, yeah. today. I'm so excited to talk to you about healing because I feel like um, you've really been a mentor for me along mm. this healing process because I was someone that's like, I don't need healing. I mean, mm. I think mm-hmm. that like my life banner could be, I'm fine. <laughs> and I mean it. I think I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. And so I do feel like you you mentioned the word healing or spiritual healing. Right. And I think people have attachments to those two words when they're put together. And right. it might be this Benny Hill idea of a televangelist where people are... Which I don't know, even get that reference, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, people are falling over. Maybe you have to be a little older for it. <laughs> um, to see these obnoxious people running around on stage and television. But, um, you know, there's kind of an aversion to, hmm. I don't need that or want that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, and maybe the aversion is to kind of a misrepresentation of it, but there might also be an aversion to the pain it might introduce too. So let's talk a little bit just about what healing is. Let's just define it. And just kind of some background on how I got into that. I think that my life banner could have been, I'm not okay. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not okay. And I know that, and I'm Mm going to take that as my identity almost too much. So Mm -hmm. my journey has been a little opposite of yours of I'm not okay. And I know I'm not okay. And I need to find out a way Mm. to get to an okay space and just kind of gain some strength in that process of, okay, I can be okay. And I'm doing it. You're never perfect. You've never arrived. So kind of just an opposite journey. It feels like for me. We're just a work that's not completed yet, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we can get closer and closer to modeling a savior. Right. Um, okay. So your life banner, my life banner, but what is healing? What is healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually wrote my thesis on healing this past semester. Uh, I just graduated from the Augustine Institute with a master's in theology and wrote about healing. And so that was kind of the first, uh, process is how do you define healing? What does it mean? And I think Pope Benedict is the one that has a beautiful quote that healing is wholeness and healing is being encountering the love of God and being able to become the person you were supposed to be. Um, So healing in this Christian life is getting closer to that person. What are we supposed to be? What were we made to be? Because we are in this fallen world, this crazy mess of a world where nothing is the way that God intended it. And you've said that before. Nothing is perfect here. It's not the way that God intended it to be. But how can we get closer to that? Mm -hmm. How can we become more ourselves truly? Because thy kingdom come. Yeah, let's bring it. Yeah, And that's in our hearts. Let the kingdom come in our hearts. How can we become more of the kingdom? And what are the things getting in the way of that? Um, so I feel like on one hand, I feel like this can be polarizing, like I said, where it's Mm -hmm. people, and and I think you and I are like a good illustration of that, where it's like, no, I don't want that. I'm fine. Or no, I desperately need this. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think the the disadvantage of both of those ends of the spectrum are either we never seek it because we're afraid of it mm-hmm. and and then or this is all we do and we become so obsessed with ourselves yeah, yeah. that we end up kind of you know this navel the gazing. Yeah. yeah so what's the healthy balance mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. living a, a healed both and yeah I think it's like so both and in the Christian life and especially in something like this of yes I need healing and this is something that I've had to learn to be balanced in yes I need healing and there were times that I desperately needed it and that was kind of all I could do was I need to get myself in a good place yeah but then there's a time where you need to be in that middle space where yeah I still need healing but I'm also doing okay and I need to be able to reach out and love other people and mm-hmm. bring them into this mm-hmm. and there's going to be people around us that need healing more than us and they need us to help pick them up and get them to a place where they can be okay as Mm -hmm. well. And so I think it's a journey. And especially, I mean, we might talk about this later on in the episode, but how healing can happen in such normal situations. Mm -hmm. I think that we see healing a lot of times as, well, we need to go and do that over here. And we need to go on this retreat or we need to see this counselor. And I've experienced a lot of both of those things, but also I've experienced some really tangible, real healing in real life. And kind of like we were talking about living with you guys was huge for me of, wow, this is what a loving family can look like. And it's not like you guys were perfect. I saw y'all discipline the kids. I saw y'all laugh with the kids. I Mm -hmm. saw the kids do something funny that you're like, we should discipline them. But it was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Just like super real situations. How much of parenting is pretending to be mad? (laughs) (laughs) But things that just for me to see was so healing. So it wasn't like, oh, I need to go off to the side of my life and do some healing. It's like, I need to welcome healing into my life. Yeah. And then the times when you feel a pain, you're like, well, that rubbed me the wrong way. Why did that rub me the wrong way? What healing can we enter into in that? Yeah. So, okay. Can we... I don't know if that answered the question. No, yeah, no, this is, this is all great. And, and this is interesting for you and me right now, because you're actually in the process of healing, right? So I feel Mm -hmm. like there's lots of different kinds of healing. And so when we're talking about this, this large banner, it's like, what are, you know, what are we trying to name exactly? Because you can have emotional healing. You can have physical healing. You can have lifelong, I believed a lie when I was five and collected evidence the rest of my life healing. Mm -hmm. You can have, I just lost someone very near and dear Mm -hmm. to me types of healing. So maybe there'll be time to dive into each of those a little bit. Can Mm -hmm. we talk first about you've experienced some losses lately and and all of that? So it just makes me think of Pope Benedict says that healing encompasses the entire content of redemption. So it it encompasses the entire content of Christianity. I think that's so beautiful to think about because just like you said, there's different aspects of healing of what that means. Um, But yeah, I have, I've experienced a couple deaths lately in my family. Uh, We lost a cousin um, who's 16 years old. It was a really tragic car accident. Just such a heartbreaking experience to see that happen. Um, and then my grandmother, it was a totally different situation. My grandmother had Alzheimer's for three years and we knew that she was fading and passed away really peacefully holding my grandpa's hand. So mm-hmm. just totally different situations, but they happened like two days apart. So just very intense couple of weeks of grieving and going through that and leaning into spirituality, leading, leaning into Christ in a new way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. learning that deeper trust of what, what is Jesus want for us and what does he mean in this and where is he in this and so I found myself praying about Lazarus and that Mm -hmm. story of how Jesus weeps in front of the tomb of Lazarus and it's just such an interesting moment and I think a lot of times people point to that as look at Jesus's humanity look at him weeping in Mm -hmm. his grief Mm -hmm. but it puzzled me 
because we know that Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Mm. And he even kind of hints to it earlier when he, he says something to Martha or Mary of like, this will be for the glory of God. So he kind of, he hints that he already has this idea of what he's going to do. He has a plan. Yeah. Yeah, That he has a plan. So I'm like, well, why is he crying then? Because if you or I are about to raise our friend from the dead, we're going to do it quickly, right? If we're grieving that loss, we're going to run to that tomb and raise them from the dead. I don't think we're going to stop and grieve the loss of them or miss them. If we know that we can just raise them quicker. And so that had me thinking, well, what is Christ crying about? What are these tears for? And I was just so struck with the heart of a creator mm-hmm. that Jesus, this God man, is God become man. He is that same God who created the universe. Mm-hmm. I think it's this heart of a creator that says, this is not what I made you for. Mm-hmm. That sees this death, this separation of body and soul, this separation from what we were created to be mm-hmm. and weeps for that humanity and weeps for that loss mm-hmm. and saying, this is not what I made you for. And that ultimate healing is wholeness of being united body and soul, of being in heaven, heaven on earth. And I see that as such an image of healing and unification of what Jesus desires for us, his heart weeping for us. This is not what I made you for and wanting to see that truth come through, that redemption. Gosh, that's so beautiful. I have chills all over. His tears never really made much sense to me either. Mm-hmm. But that, re- I mean, if you know you're going to raise someone, what you crying about? Right, What's going right. On? <laughs> and I, and but that makes a lot of sense because even I, I guess I always thought, well, he's crying for Mary and Martha, but uh-huh. I'm about to raise your brother, right? So, <laughs> and I, I get so annoyed with when people say, oh, death is natural. Death's a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. No, we see clearly in the scriptures that death wasn't part of the yeah. plan. In Eden, yeah. there was no death. Death entered the world because of sin. It's a tragedy every time. And we're allowed to feel that. And there's this weird grief as a Christian where it's, I'm grieving this loss. I'm grieving this tragedy. But also I know that I'm going to see them again. It's a weird thing. Yeah. And something my mom said, she was like, yeah, we're going to see them again. But it could be in like 60 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like It could be a long time. So it it just... I can still be sad about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very comforting to me of having that heart with Christ of, I, I do miss them. They're not going to be raised from the dead in this life. And mm-hmm. there were some thoughts of that. of like, Jesus, I know that you could, like if you yeah, wanted to, sure. um, but also I can weep with the Lord and seeing this is not what he made us for. And this death is, it's sad and it's painful. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of the acute pain. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what about kind of the dull pain that needs healed? You know, I think, I think the answer to that ac- ac- acute pain Um, And the healing there is just knowing that God is alongside of us. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, the idea of God as protector Mm -hmm. can get a little convoluted for me because there are so many things that he allows me to suffer. And yet he is right there with me in it. So God is good, but it doesn't necessarily mean life is easy. And there are going to be difficulties. There are going to be disappointments. There's going to be deep, deep pain along our journey. And, um, and I, I take a lot of comfort in knowing that I serve a God of presence and may, and, and in that, in that presence, is he protecting me? Yes. I think that, but is he going to keep me from storms? No, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. he'll protect me in them. Um, and it sounds like what you say about your children too. You say, it's not my job to protect them from the world. It's my mm-hmm. job to shepherd them through it. Yes. I see that yes. so much as the Lord wanting to be with us, but also we're in this messy fallen world. You know, I, there is this, um, author and musician, his name's Andrew Peterson, Mm -hmm. and he describes beautifully. He wrote a trilogy 
And he has this character as a creator. He has this character who he loves. He created him and he knows who he wants him to be by the end of the trilogy. Mm. And he knows what he's going to have to take him through to get there. Wow. Wow. And it breaks his heart. It's terrible. So, so that God of presence, you know, that, that God who is absolutely with us in Mm -hmm. these, in these painful moments is comforting for me. Um, so, so that's the acute pain. What about the dull pain? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, that annoying, dull throb, um, maybe a, a lie that we've believed when we were mm-hmm. younger. What about that low level, that mm-hmm. low level depression, that low level blue, that low level, I'm not good enough. Right. What about healing right. in those regards? Because yeah. I yeah. feel like a lot of times... Um, that's where real wrestling matches, you know, it's kind of the slow work of God versus these very intense, painful moments that end up passing and subsiding. But these things that we're kind of always up against, what about that? Right. And that's a huge part of my story of just so struggling my whole life with pain, with identity issues, uh, with depression, and trying to figure out what is this and what do I do with it? And for many years, I thought this is just me. There's something wrong with me. I just need to figure out how to deal with me. Um, And the huge revelation and gift that the Lord has given me in it, in healing, is bringing up those lies and bringing up those those underlying reasons for the Mm -hmm. why I felt that pain all the time Um, and being able to heal those and speak into that Mm -hmm. of our identity and that I am a beloved daughter of God, that I am cherished and I am wanted. And just all those things that sound cliche, but they so sink in deep, you know? And so having that brought to the light, uh, the Lord has done huge work in me and really really helped me be able to thrive on that day to day when I didn't, I didn't know where it was coming from. You know, it just seemed like that that acute pain that was there all the time. So as an expert in my life, you, an expert in my life on this topic, what would you, what would, if I were to ask, I am asking you the question, why is a God who loves us just as we are so hard to believe in? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you answer that as somebody who's spent a lot of time thinking Mm -hmm. about healing? Gosh, I think that it's so much of the world that we live in and how people treat us mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, even in elementary school, you know, sure. you start getting picked on for not being the fastest and not being the prettiest or whatever it is or being awkward, <laughs> whatever that reason is. And we just start to learn these little messages of I'm not good enough. I'm not loved unless I'm the fastest. I'm not loved unless I'm the smartest. And it just starts this cycle. Um, I think parents sometimes can play into that of, if we're only encouraging based on results, that can be part of it. And I don't know, the evil one wants to have our ear and gets into that too. So some of the lies in my life have come from totally benign situations. (laughs) Like no one was being malicious to me. No one was Mm. trying to be mean, Mm. but like maybe my mom was late to pick me up from school or something. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I'm thinking that I'm abandoned, you know, and the devil would love to get into those things and really hurt us with that. So I think being as Christians, being vigilant, realizing we do have an enemy, not in a, there's a boogeyman under the bed, but there's an enemy that wants us to believe lies and being vigilant to that and bringing it back to the Lord of saying, God, what do you think of this? And being able to let him answer. And I don't think we ask him enough and we need to, we need to be able to, children ask funny questions all the time. And you're like, why did you ask me that? Did you just, you just want to hear me say the answer? Yeah. (laughs) But we need to be able to do that with our God. Yeah. So people just don't love us the ways that we think they should so often. And, you know, it's freed me up a lot to, um, you you and I spent a lot of time talking this morning and, and one of the things that came up was 
people can only meet us as deeply as they've met themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so when we have these very grand expectations for people to love us perfectly, mm-hmm. when we can kind of come to peace with that, that's not ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Even my, you know, my one flesh, precious, precious husband, he can be a wonderful husband and he's a crappy God. Right. And so people aren't ever going to love us perfectly. And when I can free people up of that expectation, it allows everything to go up and down mm-hmm. instead of out mm-hmm. to out. And so when I have everything that I need is coming from right here, mm-hmm. this is just bonus. Right. The, what right. you have for me becomes bonus and not necessity. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing with people what a personal why you believed was early on and how you've combat mm-hmm. that? Because I think that it is um, important to kind of hear an example, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the retreats that you and I have gotten a lot out of healing the whole person, Dr. Bob shoots, yeah. um, you know, he will kind of take an example and you can kind of find yourself in it somewhere. Like, it, I mean, there might be little differences, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's effective. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of my biggest ones was just this feeling that I'm not worthy of love. And kind of like you said, we'll have this lie and we'll collect evidence for it our whole lives. And I was a quiet child. I definitely think I had some social anxiety. I remember being in high school youth group and like my lips are shaking as I'm like talking to people. Just so anxious. Yeah. And so in a state like that and that feeling of I'm not worthy of love, anything, I'm going to take it as evidence. It's like, oh, I'm not the cool kid. It's because I'm not worthy of being a cool kid. And that just, I think, continued through my life of this is my lie and I'm going to just keep collecting my evidence on it. Um, and I've had some incredible healing through amazing friends that have been able to speak into that. And I don't know if you want me to share stories about those friends yet, but uh, just the Lord has really met me in that and wanted to show me, you know, you are worthy of love and I say that you are and that's what matters. It doesn't matter if other people aren't seeing it or feeling it or treating you that way or even if I'm just perceiving it that they don't think I'm worthy of love that God says that I am and that is huge and that's all that matters. Like what is yeah. what does it matter what anyone else says? Yeah. And hasn't so much so much of my healing is saying those things out loud. You take its power that way. Um, and so you, you put it out there and you might put it out there, whether it's in your own journal, you know, mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. own self. And you can kind of stare at those words and shrug your shoulders at them and, you know, write out the thing that you've been avoiding right. for however long and realize that you're not undone by seeing it in black and white. Yeah. But then also speaking it to a loved one mm-hmm. and having a loved one shrug their shoulders at it. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking, just being able to say this to you and not feel anxious, because I can remember, like, high school me, if I had said that out loud, I would have so much anxiety that what if this person in front of me says, like, actually, you're not worthy of love, you know? They can take those lies and throw them back at you, but since I have received so much healing... I, I don't have that fear of that. Also, I know you and I know that yeah. you're not going to do that. Right. Well, there's somebody that you're going to, there are people in your life and this is how we experience the love of God is where you get that out in the open and they want to scoop you up yeah. or they hear about a pain in your past and they are red with fury yeah. over, you know, so yeah. we experience, I have experienced the love of Christ so much, mm-hmm. um, through the people who are, are walking with me. And there's right. been so yeah. much relational healing that has happened relationally and certainly Absolutely. spousal healing. I mean, Absolutely. my husband is, you know, precious in, in that way. Okay. So, so the acute pain, Mm-hmm. of of loss mm-hmm. um the dull pain of experiencing maybe some low level traumas you mm-hmm. know early on and, and believing lies what about kelly physical healing 
What oh, about goodness. that? I mean, you know, we hear these, you know, we think about the book of Acts and we yeah, think about these people yeah. and his spirit upon them and doing many wondrous acts. Yeah. We read about that and we think, wow, that's so funny. That's, that was a long time ago. That's like totally the realm of healing that I like don't feel like I fit into or uh-huh. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've been on healing retreats. I have heard of people, even seen people be healed of physical ailments. And almost every time I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a real thing. I don't know if it's just like not my jam because I, I was a psychology major and very into the psychological healing type. But yeah, it's a realm that I kind of don't get and don't understand. And I've seen places where physical healing has been connected to someone's emotional healing. Mm -hmm, Actually, I had something happen like that myself. I was prayed with for an emotional healing and I had lower back pain just pretty much constantly that I just was used to. And that disappeared within like that day and never came back, which is weird. Also kind of weird for a 21 year old to have lower back pain. I was just like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very mysterious to me and I don't get it. But also Jesus does a lot of physical healing. He spent a lot of his time (laughs) healing sick people. (laughs) And I I don't even, I think I might've written about this in my thesis a little bit of kind of how interesting that is. And I wonder if like they didn't have a vocabulary to write about emotional healing in Mm. Jesus' time. (laughs) And I'm sure those people that he physically healed of leprosy, there was an incredible emotional healing of, wow, I am worthy of Mm -hmm. being loved and being Mm -hmm. healed in this way. Mm -hmm. So I do think they're tied, but man. You know, so the blind, the paralyzed, the deaf, the lame, lepers, those mm-hmm. who had fever, you know, all these these chronic illnesses. What stands out the most is that he never denied it mm-hmm. to anyone who asked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there is no record in the Gospels of Jesus ever turning anyone away. I mean, how amazing is that? It's incredible. I do wonder if as a prayer minister or someone who's helped lead some healing retreats. I wonder if there's an element to that of like, if someone asks for physical healing, we can definitely see if they're healed or not. (laughs) You know, there's kind of that like performance anxiety of like, well, is this going to work? And sometimes people aren't healed, you know, and it's mysterious and we don't get why. There are a couple of people in my life um, and who have experienced a lot of pain and hurt, but who have prayed very specifically for physical healing. Mm. And so to go into and have, a re- received, and have not received physical healing, um, you know, wheelchair bound mm-hmm. who go mm-hmm. in completely believing in the Lord right. with great expectation, right. go in to pray yeah. and be healed and, and don't experience that. And my prayer for people like that and my, my pain for them is I don't want them to come to the, some sort of a healing retreat or come ask for healing prayer and not receive it and have that hurt the relationship with Jesus. Exactly. You know, we don't exactly. want to cause harm to their relationship with God. But also God wants us to ask for healing. So yeah. it's this mysterious thing of like, okay, maybe I don't need to stress out about God's relationship with someone because he's going to take care of that too. Yeah. But that's my always my fear for them is I don't want this to cause them a hopelessness or to hurt the relationship. When we, when we seek God for healing, there's certainly seasons where we see grace and mm-hmm. miracles even um and then we can rejoice and then there are other seasons where the road to healing seems longer and more painful than we ever thought they would be and we mm-hmm. can look through scripture and we can see that very clearly with the israelites and the all and i don't pretend to know anything ab- about 
um, what that person in that wheelchair might be experiencing mm-hmm. for those two days in a retreat, you know, going expectantly, which is really what the Lord asks of us is right. to be expectant. Right. And so I don't claim to know what that must feel like. Um, what I have attributed to my own life, so I'm not speaking for anyone but me, is that if the Lord isn't rushing to heal, then there must be something to gain from the hurt. And so in these times of confusion, why am I not experiencing this healing in my life? You just have to lean into the parts of God's character that you know for certain. Right. And I know for certain that he's good. Mm-hmm. I know for certain that his plans for me are to prosper me. Right. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the Lazarus story again, because the first thing I think it's Mary says to him, which I imagine she's kind of sassy. Maybe she's not, <laughs> but says, if you had been here, Lord, our brother had, would not have died. And I think that we kind of have that cry as humans and it's natural to be mm-hmm. like, I could see, I can see where you could have fixed this. You could mm-hmm. have done something about mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. but you didn't. Mm-hmm. And we have to just trust that somewhere there's a Lazarus moment down the road, whether it's this side of heaven or not. Yeah. But somehow God knows better than we do. Even if he doesn't. Even if. I um, have this really great imagery that was given to me and I wish... I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast, I think, and but it seems it seems to come up a lot. It's reveling a lot, but it's talking about you know being on the side of a boat and scooping up a handful of water, mm-hmm. and that water trickling through your hand back into the ocean, and this scoop of water in our hand is our life, and then the it returning to this giant ocean is eternity, mm-hmm. and so we can get so hyper fixated mm-hmm. on the here and now when God's vision is this entire ocean. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, does his heart break for us, for sure, you know, that God of presence mm-hmm. over God of protection. Um, but, I, you know, with that long vision, that farsightedness, that eternal vision, everything's a little different for him than yeah. it is for us. Yeah, and I, I felt that very tangibly when my cousin died recently because she was 16 years old, you know, and there's just so much of that where you're like, what are you doing, God? Like, yeah. what? why are you allowing this to happen? And she was in the hospital in a coma the, a day before she passed away. And we're all just praying like, Lord, she could wake up. You can wake her up. We know you can. But that's exactly the thing that I felt the Lord say to me in prayer is I want what's best for her. And I see this huge big picture that I can't even explain to you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so hard for us to get our minds around that. Um, but we know that he's good. Yeah. We know that he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to go back. You mentioned earlier when we were talking about kind of the low-level pain mm-hmm, of kind mm-hmm. of lifelong lies. Um, you were talk. I, you mentioned something about healing relationally through friendships. Right, Can right. we? I I meant to circle round back. Yeah, to that. yeah. So definitely, healing can come in different ways and different seasons. And I've experienced a lot of healing on retreats where the Lord has met me in prayer, and that's been really beautiful. But I've also had long seasons of really like trudging through the trenches Mm -hmm. of just through the mud, trying to work this out with the Lord. I I was in counseling for a couple of years, which was so helpful. I had a wonderful Christian counselor who just spoke truth into my life and was living with a great roommate and had some great friends that were in community, like right at my elbows. Mm -hmm. Like everyone was just so nearby. And I just remember it being such a season of grace, but so hard (laughs) of going through those lies and seeing my tendencies. And I just had these tendencies to push people away Mm. of like getting offended often Mm. and pushing people away Mm -hmm. and just kind of self-sabotaging the whole thing and end up back in counseling the next week or something and telling my counselor about this. And I remember him saying once, you have this army of love around you and they're just coming for you and they're going to keep coming. Mm. And eventually you're going to accept it and you're going to let them love you. 
And I remember this very tangible moment with this roommate who is just such a wonderful woman, godly woman, and was so patient with me. She's such a patient, kind woman. Uh, And I would have temper tantrums or push people away. And there's one particular night that they all kind of went to dinner without me and I guess forgot to tell me or I was at work. Whatever happened, I felt left out. And I come home and I'm mad about it. And I just remember her looking at me and just kind of in exasperation saying, I don't know how to convince you that we love you. I don't know how to convince you of that. And it was such a moment of grace of seeing that it, she was not a person of conflict. She did not like confrontation right. at all. And the courage that she had to say that to me right. and just the truth, the piercing truth of it was like, okay, I am loved and I need to receive it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is me. Like, yeah. this is me. Yeah. And just being able to fight through that of, okay, yeah. I'm going to actively choose to know that they love me, even if I don't feel like it right now. Yeah. And I'm going to keep working on this. Yeah. So really hard, but really good, beautiful moments. How many people go their whole lives pointing out without the onus ever being on them Mm. to fix any harmful thoughts Mm. or bad habits? I mean, I can get into kind of ruts of and and needing to recognize that as no, that's an old way of thinking. Mm -hmm, No, I'm mm -hmm. not going to go to that, you know, and then when you can accept pain as just that pain, this is just pain. pain. This doesn't mean, you know, so anytime I feel Mm. left out, anytime I feel um, overlooked, anytime I feel not important, I can just say, okay, this is a painful moment. Mm -hmm. There's nothing defining going on here. Right. To take things moment by moment instead of. And miraculously, things get so much simpler Mm -hmm. because then it can be like, hey, Allison, you guys didn't tell me where you're going for dinner last night and it hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. And you can say, oh my gosh. We totally didn't mean to. We thought you were still at work, whatever the situation mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And just that moment can be so healing and so clarifying instead mm-hmm. of, I'm going to go stew about this yeah. and decide that this means that I'm not worthy yes. and that they don't love me yes. and all of these horrible lies. Yeah. And this is my proof. Yeah. It just becomes so much simpler. The, yeah. We protect ourselves mm-hmm. and it's... We protect our lives too. Yeah. Yeah. We get into really bad habits of this is the way that I've always thought. This is the way that I'll always think. And because it's uncomfortable to enter into conversation where I can't control what they're going to say back when Mm -hmm. I say my feelings are hurt. Right. Let's avoid it altogether and let's stick with what I know. Right. Because it's that fear that you might say that it's right. You might say that my lie is true and I'm not worthy and you don't love me. I mean, that's what vulnerability is. It's exposing a soft spot and then trusting that somebody's not going to punch you there. Right, right, right. (laughs) So we have to be able to enter into that. I think that we underestimate people all the time. All the time. Now, some people are dangerous and some people aren't safe. Um, But those army of people coming after you, we're not them. Right, right. And then there's that security of knowing the Lord and knowing that he says I'm worthy. And even if this person punches me, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Um, okay, so st- what would you say the steps to healing are? Where do you start? Okay, recognizing that it's needed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be at rock bottom for it to be needed. Yeah. You can have some twinges of pain and some lies that you're yeah. still wrestling with to need it. Can I interject really quick? So mm-hmm. I th- um, we did a, an episode on trauma. Mm. And Jamie Sewell, who was, it was a beautiful episode and she, it was um, episode three this season. And she talks about being a part of a terrorist attack and Mm -hmm. thinking and really kind of not entering into her own healing because she thought, well, some people have it way worse. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of times us comparing our stories to each other, you know, she, there was a, a, 
a family abroad and they were a part of like uh, an armed robbery and the Mm. wife was raped and the husband Mm. was beaten. And so she just survived a terrorist attack where they had to hide out for four hours and she heard gunshots, but I mean, she wasn't raped and her husband wasn't beaten. And so Mm. she never really entered into caring for herself. Uh, Didn't allow herself to feel that. Because it's the, I'm fine. Yeah. Compared. And comparatively. Right. Someone else is worse off. And so I, I think that an enemy would love to keep us comparing so that we don't ever do the work we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched um, a movie called Lady Bird. Have you ever seen it? Sure. I loved it. <laughs> it's so cute. There's I one, there's one line where her boyfriend's like being petty. He was like, people are starving or somewhere. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> or there's a war across the, the ocean. And she's like, lots of things are sad and not everything is war. Yeah. And I just think that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, lots of things can be sad, yeah. even if someone else has a sadder situation. Sure. So, pain yeah, I think step one, pain is pain. Okay. Being able to recognize that you need healing. And then finding those people that aren't going to punch you in the gut. If you're mm. saying, hey, this is where my soft spot is. Mm-hmm. Having those soundboards that can help you and mm-hmm. help you see uh, truth and see mm-hmm. reality. And if you don't have any people like that, find some. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. It's so important to have family, to have tribe around you. Um, but I'm a huge proponent of counseling too. Like Amen. I've, I've loved it. I've had, I think three counselors in the past five years and they've been wonderful and just different seasons and different locations is why I've had so many. <laughs> um, but it's been so helpful to know that this person is going to tell me the truth The truth, and they're going to tell me in an unbiased way because they weren't at dinner last night when I felt left out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really very helpful. And that's been very, very, very healing. And because for me. they're not in personal relationship with you, mm-hmm. they're not going to be punished by you for telling you something you don't like. Yeah, oh, totally. They'll tell you something you don't like because mm-hmm. and you they care go, about your healing. And you might go home <laughs> mad some days. I'm like, oh, they're so wrong. But there were days like that when I realized that they were right. You know? Yeah. So that's so good. And I, I know that people say it's too expensive and a lot of healthcare doesn't cover it, but it's such an investment in yourself and in your future and in the people around you. And that was really tangible to me when I was with that friend group and having those conflicts Mm -hmm. of I'm going to counseling for me, but also because I see that I'm hurting them Mm -hmm. and I want to fix that. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's even more tangible in a family when you have a husband and kids and everyone's right there in your bedroom, you know? Yeah. Um, um, that is a good point. Thank you for bringing up the, the cost. Um, so many churches and campuses provide free counseling. Mm. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So recognizing pain, Mm-hmm. finding a pack, mm-hmm. seeking counseling. Mm-hmm. What else? Prayer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So having that truth be the root of your life, being able to go yeah. back to the scriptures. Oh, I'm such a scripture person. There's so much truth in it. Isaiah 54 has been totally mm. one of my scriptures. Isaiah 62, just such love of our creator, such an intimate and even romantic love for each of us as individuals and being able to believe it, that that's for you. Mm-hmm. That God wrote that for you. It's yeah. not just for someone else. I think personalizing his love has been important for me. It's like, you know, God loves his children. Yeah, yeah. God loves you. Right, right. <laughs> you, Allison, you know, you think about his children and it mm-hmm. you, somehow you can kind of feel just outside of his grasp, mm-hmm. just outside of his embrace. Right. You know, and even if he is hugging you, it's because he has to. You know, you're God. Totally. Totally <laughs> have felt that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like our humanity is searching for the things that it has always searched for. Mm -hmm. And that is pure love. Mm -hmm. And we are not ever going to find that, um, from anything other than God. And all of our attempts to go our own way just end up in these little pains along the way that need addressed. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you as a role model for me, um, for somebody who is just very intentionally kind of 
dove into this. Mm. So thank you for having me and thank you for just loving me so well. Especially, Ugh. I mean, you've well, known me for easy. years and there have been many of those years that I really, really needed it and mm. more than you guys knew, you were so helpful. Hmm. That makes me happy. I love you a ton, Kelly Mullins. Love you too. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for having me. And now, a word from our sponsors, Hustle 3. You guys, I'm so excited about this. With five kids and a jillion activities to get them to, I don't have time to add a private baseball lesson into the mix, but my newest sponsor, Hustle 3, has come to the rescue. With a very reasonably priced monthly subscription service, all I have to do is take a video of my son hitting a baseball on my phone and then load it up to hustle3.com where an expert coach breaks down his swing frame by frame and gives him drills to work on that are specific to his needs. A few weeks later, I upload another video and the training continues. I can stop the subscription at any time and then restart it once the next season's here again. If my son ever decides to start pitching, I'm going to be using hustle3.com to get him expert instruction from get this, a former major league baseball pitcher. Where else could I get my son access to this kind of training on my time with no driving around town and at an affordable price? I don't know much about baseball mechanics, but evidently that's what he's learning. The drills teach him muscle memory patterns that don't just get him better, but help him to avoid injury down the road. I'm going to be a member of Hustle 3 community for years to come, and you should too. So if you think you might be interested, head over to Hustle3.com. Give it a try yourself. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait. Is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Ashley Jenkins. Hello. Um, you are standing in for beef. I'm today. humbled to do so. Well, she actually um, would have been good and ready to do this episode, and it would have been how do you say that word? I've only seen it written apropo. Uh, apropo. Apropos, yeah. <laughs> Apropos, let's say it like we're that. very fancy over here. We are because she is just in the thick of healing right now. Um, but she is in New York doing very fancy lawyer things, and so I was happy to give her another week and not complicate her schedule. Right. But um, so thank you. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So this episode um, was about healing, and our question is this: When you are in a sad and confusing spot waiting for healing, but know that you will be waiting a while. What are the things that you do to take care of yourself? I think that's a good question. It is. Um, I think back and certainly people have gone through all kinds of heavy things, even maybe much heavier than, than the thing that I've gone through. But um, I've had two miscarriages in my season of growing my family. And I can distinctly remember the first time I had a miscarriage, I didn't tell a soul. I kind of holed up. I was sad for a long time. I was blaming myself. I was, um, I don't know. There was just a lot going on. Anyway, fast forward to the second time that I had a miscarriage, I decided to approach it differently and reached out and shared that vulnerability with others. 
and realized that there were other women in my life Mm -hmm. who'd been through the same sad experience and there was comfort in that. So Mm -hmm. I think for me to answer this question, one of the things that I did was making myself vulnerable enough to share that I was hurting and to share what was going on and to realize that I wasn't alone. And there was some real neat comfort in that. And then as, as, um, very expectant as it might be to hear us say this on this podcast, just going straight to the word about Mm -hmm. what God says Mm -hmm. about who we are in this season. And the truth is, as you're going through this trial and you're not in a place of healing yet, God knows. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's, he understands you being angry. He understands mm-hmm. you being sad. Like there's no emotion that he's going to be surprised by. Right. So it's okay to feel all yes. those things. Yes. Even angry, you know, Absolutely. at him. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. The God yeah. of the universe can yes. handle your anger. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just having faith that, that you will get to a place of healing. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. This will get better. Um, so you and I have a little bit of similar stories in that our husband, we are medical spouses. And so that puts us in some interesting cities where Mm. we can feel like a stranger. Mm -hmm. And, um, Seth and I had kind of, we were, we were living in Minnesota, which, which wasn't home and our marriage kind of, we took, you know, kind of a three year warming up phase, (laughs) (laughs) but it was just kind of a lonely time. I was away from home and, and, um, I remember when I was just feeling that sadness, I would go and sit in this one particular cemetery, which I realize sounds um, maybe a little morbid, but there was something about sitting there and looking around and like feeling kinship with these people who I was certain went through things. Yeah, You know, it was just Mm -hmm. kind of this little communion of saints. Like I'm looking around and there's Edna and there's Iris and there's Martha. You know what a believer I am in, um, you know, and in collecting a really trustworthy pack. So Mm -hmm. absolutely gathering friendships, but also there was just something about when I didn't have those, you know, just a way to remind myself that there are others experiencing Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorrow. Um, you know, one thing for me too, I think we have a tendency to think that the next moment's more important than this one. Mm. Like there's not something really valid about what you're going through right now. Mm -hmm. And so if I could just get to the good part, like hurry up and get to the good part. And so, um, in, I, okay. I think that we can kind of shake our fists at God and be like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Instead of what do you have for me? Mm-hmm. You know, right. Re- replacing one question with another, another, like, what do you have for me here? Um, I can't help but notice that Jesus after his resurrection, his wounds are still there. Mm-hmm. And so there must be something about our, our wounds that are important, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's so good and profound. You know, I think about, and and I can't know obviously why Jesus still had that, but I think about in my own life, just a couple weeks ago, maybe a month now, my husband had a pretty bad bicycling accident. Mm. And it left him with some broken ribs and a broken collarbone, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, anyway, he's got a pretty big scar on his left collarbone from the surgery that he had and quite a few um, just wounds up and down his back where he mm. slid on the road for a mm. while. But we look at those as God's faithfulness because that accident could have been so much worse mm-hmm. and left him in such a, a worse spot than it did. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like I said, I can't know why Jesus had the wounds that he had obviously to show Thomas, um, and others, but 
I, I think for us, maybe he leaves these scars. He leaves some of these wounds just to remind us of his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good. Well, I just, I loved this episode and I I just think there's a, I I think that it can be a big deterrent to Christianity in general when Mm -hmm. it's like, why should we have to go through this? And so God, understanding God, not as protector of all things, but with us in all things, Mm -hmm. I think is really important. Yes. I think that's excellent. Yes. Thank you, sister, for all your thoughts and your giant heart and (laughs) wisdom. I just love you. I love you, too. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. I'm about to have my first birthday since my mom died. Just a few months before her death, my dad died. I say have a birthday instead of celebrate because, quite honestly, I don't feel much like celebrating. I feel sad and a little empty and in need of some quiet time alone that's hard to come by. I feel silly admitting that, because although it's my first birthday since her death, Mom died seven months ago. That's a fairly long time, right? I mean, I forget what year it is every time I write a check, and I don't remember what I ate for breakfast by lunchtime. Why is it so hard to incorporate into my daily life, without regular breakdowns, the idea that I'm walking around in a world that no longer contains the people who brought me into it? I don't know the reason. I'm sure therapists could come up with a number of good ones, and a dear friend of mine tried to patiently explain to me that in the long arc of life, I've had a lot of significant loss in a very short span of time, and seven months isn't really that long at all. She's probably right. One thing I've discovered over the past few months is that you can't choose when you grieve. You can try. I have tried. I tried to set aside an afternoon here or a few mornings there to just sit and be with my thoughts and memories, to allow the grief to wash over me and to heal. Sometimes it does, and those times are cathartic. Sometimes it just doesn't, and then I feel somehow unfaithful and frustrated. But apparently, healing isn't like a checklist. Because I had a good reminiscing cry yesterday when I had time, doesn't mean another one won't catch up with me by surprise tomorrow on the way to my son's school for a reading group. It feels random sometimes, aggravatingly so. I'm trying hard to learn that I'm not in charge of this timeline. God is. I hope if you find yourself grieving and in need of healing, you can give yourself the gift of time, as much as it takes. Dear God, we are living out a gospel that is good news. And that good news is that you restore our broken lives. And so we come to you today seeking healing. And we bring you our broken bodies and our broken hearts and our broken spirits. We come to you knowing that no healing is too hard for you if it be your will. One touch, one look, one word. You are the ultimate healer. Align our wills with yours, God. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us 
of our unrighteousness or our unforgiveness, anything that might be standing in the way. Begin your healing from the inside out, God. There are so many things we might not understand about your divine love. So take our what-if faith and make it an even-if faith, God, because your grace is sufficient. Living in communion with you, your grace is sufficient. We ask all of these things. We pray all of these things in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Kelly Mullins, Ashley Jenkins, Mary Bishop, and Pamela Anthony Cutright. Send us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully and Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan. Don't forget to like and review. For more of Mary's writing, go to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com and be sure to catch the mini episode for extras.